this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who really wants to take a nap today. I want nothing more than a nap. I feel that. And I'm Pravada, the girl who probably sounds a bit different today because my child has infected me with whatever gross germs little kids have. And uh, yeah, I've succumbed. Uh-uh. I'm sorry. My poor V. But we'll 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 get through it. We'll get through it. And then you can take a nap and I can take a nap and the world shall become well, I can happy. take a sleep. It's true. <laughs> yes. It, it'll be Let's a sleep. A sleep. Uh, but if you are new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this for sure is not the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question. But we will be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. And again, especially in this game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today, we are traveling back in time to 2015, when a small French studio called Don't Nod released five episodes of a game that is set in a fictitious little town named Arcadia Bay on the coast of Oregon. That game is called Life is Strange. And there are a few sequels and comics that expand the universe and specifically the stories of the characters that we will cover today. But we will strictly be talking about events that occur in-game. We are talking about the very complicated relationship between Max Caulfield and Chloe Price in Life is Strange. Chloe, you're here. I'm back. Oh my lord, this is real. It's real. Oh man, this sucks. Max, what's going on? You totally blacked out. I didn't black out. I had another vision. The town is going to get wiped out by a tornado. 
Morgan gets about five tornadoes every 20 years. You just zoned. No, no, I saw it. I could actually feel the electricity in the air. Come on, take a breath, okay? Chloe, I'm not crazy. But there's something else I have to tell you. Something hardcore. Talk to me, Max. I had the same vision earlier in class. When I came out of it, I discovered I could reverse time. Like I said, not crazy. But hi, right? Listen to me. How do you think I saved you in the bathroom? By reversing time? Yeah, sure. I saw you get shot, Chloe. Saw you actually die. I was able to go back and hit the fire alarm. Okay, I see you're a geek now with a great imagination, but this isn't anime or a video game. People don't have those powers, Max. I don't know what I have, but I have it. And I'm scared shitless. You need to get high. It's been a hell insane fucking day. What the hell is this? Snowflakes? It's like 80 degrees. How? Climate change. Or a storm is coming. Max, start from the beginning. Tell me everything. I also love that little fourth wall breaky line that this isn't a video game. That's cute. Uh, but this clip pretty much sums up a lot of essential context. But let me clarify some things. This clip technically plays at the very end of episode one. And during episode one, we discover that our playable character, Max, can suddenly rewind time. This magical ability was triggered when she witnessed a strange girl with blue hair get shot in a confrontation with Nathan Prescott, Blackwell Academy's Draco Malfoy. But take Draco and make him more deranged and a drug addict. Turns out that this blue-haired girl was her childhood best friend, Chloe. And saving her also meant that the space-time continuum is now out of whack. If you like moody hipsters, indie music, redwood trees, and solving mysteries, this game might be for you. If you will be triggered by mentions of self-harm, childhood trauma, sexual assault, and, and homicide, this game is definitely not for you. Content warning for all of that as well for our episode as we will be discussing those events that occur in the game. We're going to try really hard to not summarize the whole game for you, lovely listeners, but of course we need to provide some environmental and narrative context for these characters. So to start, let's get into Max and Chloe's origin story. The two girls grew up in Arcadia Bay and were often at each other's houses or in the woods, playing pirates and making up stories about who they would grow up to be. You know, doing things all little kids do with their imaginations and the great outdoors. That ended in 2008, when Max was 13 and Chloe was 14. Chloe's dad, William, was killed in a car accident. And that was the day that forever changed Chloe. She was very, very close with her dad. And she went from being a constantly smiling and joyful child to withdrawn and depressed. Not long after that, Max and her family moved to Seattle. Max didn't really keep in touch with Chloe, especially after Chloe's mom, Joyce, remarried a man named David. 
who is essentially all the worst stereotypes about military veterans rolled into one. Chloe calls him the Step Douche, and that is a fitting nickname. In episode one, Chrysalis, five years have passed since Max moved away, and the start of Life is Strange begins with Max attending Blackwell Academy, a prestigious private school with a great photography program. Max, like all true hipsters, has an inexplicable obsession with Polaroid photography. Feels so weird to be back. So I guess Seattle sucked hard? I guess. It was cool, but I felt kind of lonely, out of my league. I would think you'd fit right in with the art school hipsters. Right. You look like the cover of hipstergirl.com. At least you're still a smartass. That's why I'm here. Please, girl. You came back for Blackwell Academy. Of course. It's one of the best photography programs in the country. And my favorite teacher, Mark Jefferson. So you came back to Arcadia for a teacher, not your best friend. Don't you think I'm happy to see you? No. You were happy to wait five years without a call or even a text. I wanted to. I was just so tripped out over leaving Arcadia. Oh, please. I'm sure your phone and laptop were frozen in time. You're merciless. You've been at Blackwell for almost a month without letting me know. Enough said. I just wanted to settle in first and not be such a shy, cliche geek. I totally would have contacted you. I bet you don't use these sad excuses on Mr. Jefferson. Don't use them on me, Max. You know, <laughs> this clip, I wanted it because Max just annoys the hell out of me in it. For being the player character, I kind of don't like Max that much. <laughs> I am a firm Chloe fan. And one of my favorite things about Chloe is just how much of a good friend she is. Like in the first clip we played in the episode, she initially brushes off Max's wild claims to be able to rewind time because, duh, that sounds insane. But then believes her wholeheartedly and wants to listen. In this clip, she's not afraid to call out Max on her behavior, which is a very important skill to have. And especially to flex amongst your friends, you should you should keep them in check. You know, it's responsible. It's what you do. While Max couldn't exactly not move to Seattle because she was a 13-year-old, she had to move with her family. But she 100% could have texted, called, emailed, hell, even written some snail mail to Chloe. If the two were truly that good of friends, you'd think she would have reached out, especially after Chloe's dad died. But Max was 13, and even now as an 18-year-old, it's clear she is exactly that. A child. Maybe legally an adult, but emotionally very much a child, so she responds like one. Max's fatal flaw, or her deadly sin, if you will, is sloth. She's often too apathetic or lazy or slow to react to things around her, which later in the game she can avert by using her rewind power. It's even evidenced in her room, like, she is just such a slob. This is part of Max's character development in this game. Learning to be confident and self-assured. Something that Chloe has in spades. In fact, Chloe's fatal flaw is her brash behavior, her recklessness. She often acts without thinking, which translates to her either almost dying or in some cases actually dying, in the game. 
where Max has to rewind time to save her yet again. Chloe and Max are foils to one another, which makes their friendship and possible romance a straight play of the opposites attract trope. Or is that gay play? Because it's not straight play. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. It's not inverted, subverted, or otherwise play with. Chloe is outgoing, rash, extroverted, and comes from a working class family. Max is a wallflower, timid, introverted, and comes from a well-off family. They are truly opposites. So the main game's mystery is not where did Max's timey-wimey powers come from? No, it's a where did Chloe's former best friend, maybe lover, go? Rachel Amber, the girl who is whispered about all over campus and has got missing persons posters up all over the school, has been gone without a trace for the past six months. Hey, give me that. Sorry, I wasn't trying to be nosy. Obviously, she was a good friend. It's putting it mildly. So, who is she? Do you mind talking about her? Rachel Amber. She was my angel. After my dad died and you moved, I felt abandoned. Rachel saved my life. Man, I had no idea. Well, you never made much effort to find out. I was 14. We were best friends. I never forgot. Even if I was an asshole and didn't keep in touch. But you had Rachel. Rachel had my back. We were going to kick the world's ass. The loss of Rachel is one loss too many for Chloe. After Max left for Seattle and Chloe's mom remarried Stepdouche, Chloe started to get more and more rebellious. She started hanging around a bad crowd, started doing some drugs, ran away from home often, and she made the junkyard in the woods her home away from hell, as she called it. Her physical appearance shifted to reflect her inner emotional turmoil as well. In the game's prequel called Before the Storm, we play as 16-year-old Chloe, who does not have dyed blue hair, piercings, or tattoos yet. She eventually gets kicked out of Blackwell Academy. Her student file reveals an impressive 1.7 GPA, and her plan shifts to running away to LA with Rachel. But that never got to happen. Rachel goes missing, and then Chloe is consumed with trying to find her when Max conveniently returns to Arcadia Bay. Chloe saves Max from one of Nathan's public attacks. He's like, oh, he does that a lot. <laughs> Max realizes it's her old friend, and right after the clip we played, um, before that scene ends, she realizes her precious Polaroid has broken. So Chloe offers up David's very well-organized set of tools located in the garage of her house to fix it. This game does have some choices involved, but not too many of them will directly influence a potential romance between Max and Chloe, although they will affect the status and emotional state of the other characters. The first choice you make that will influence Max's relationship with Chloe takes place at her house after Max has repaired her camera. Skeptic David has returned 
and apparently doesn't allow wayfish hipsters with a penchant for analog photography over at his house. So Max has to hide. Oh, and he can smell the joint that Chloe had just been smoking. There are four choices. You cannot hide and take the blame. Or you cannot hide and then come out and blame Chloe. Or you can hide and then step in between the argument. Or you can hide and stay hidden. The blame part is the blame for who was smoking the joint. And if Max blames Chloe for the joint, which stays hidden in the closet and doesn't step into the argument, David slaps Chloe. And this is just the tip of the iceberg for how abusive this man is. Yeah, no matter what option you choose here, Chloe will take Max to the lighthouse after this. I am of the opinion that Max should do whatever it takes to be loyal to Chloe, because otherwise she literally has no one who looks out for her. Like, her mom's always working and makes excuses for David. David is just, ugh, like, domineering. Her best friend left her. Her other best friend slash kind of girlfriend is probably dead, but she's missing. You know, like, she's got nobody. At the lighthouse, Max can reveal something sinister about Chloe's house that she discovered when she was in the garage using David's tools to fix her Polaroid camera. David is monitoring the entire house with hidden security cameras. There is also a very well-stocked gun safe in the garage with one gun notably missing. David is clearly disturbed. There is a whole conversation to be had about hypervigilant veterans due to PTSD and lack of supportive care. But that is another day on another podcast. That's not this one. I'm not here to excuse this awful man from hitting a young woman and for emotionally abusing her, strong-arming her, and constantly threatening her. Say what you will about Chloe and her behavior, but David is an adult man and should do better. At the lighthouse... Right before Max has another vision of the giant tornado storm coming for Arcadia Bay, Chloe admits that she was, this is a trigger warning, drugged, nearly essayed, and then tried to blackmail Nathan Prescott, who is the one who tried to do that to her. And that is what ultimately caused her untimely demise at the beginning of the game when Max discovered her rewind time power. And this is the end of episode one. There's five episodes of this game. And each of them just get crazier. Welcome to the crazy train. Oh. I don't like the fact that there are hidden cameras in this girl's house. I feel so bad for her. No. And for context for the listener, Jen has not played this game. So let me, for any listeners that haven't played this game and for Jen, let me just describe that. One of these cameras is facing directly onto Joyce, Chloe's mom's bed, hidden in the closet. Like her mm-hmm. closet doors have slats, so the lens is fitted through the slats directly onto her bed. Like, wait, ew. So the husband has a camera facing his own bed. Like that's not the worst thing. Yeah. No, oh, but okay. she doesn't know they're there. Yeah. Nobody knows that they're there except for him. Okay. 
I would feel way ickier if it was facing Chloe's bed. No, you can actually view the cameras in the garage because he has a bunch of monitors and they're all over the house. But the one that sticks out was the one by the bed because it was her side of the bed. And it just, I don't know. I didn't like it. Or it was just her bed, you know? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It just freaked me out. <laughs> I don't know how she didn't know it was there, to be real, though. Like, because it was in the closet. If she opened the door, I'm sure she could have seen it. But it, it becomes a thing later when she discovers them. You can mm. reveal them to her if you wish. Okay. So. Well, let's move on to episode two. That called out of time where max and chloe go to get some breakfast from the two whale diner where joyce chloe's mom works as a waitress chloe is stoked that her friend has superpowers and requests that she prove to her that she can actually rewind time this is done by incorrectly guessing what is in Chloe's pockets enough times until she's revealed everything that is actually in her pockets. Max then rewinds time and can correctly say what Chloe has in her pockets. Chloe also does not experience the time rewinds, so it just appears like Max has x-ray vision or can predict the future. Now, when the two leave the diner, Kate will call Max's phone. You can choose to answer it or not, but you should answer it. Kate's life literally depends on it, even though Chloe will react badly to Max answering the phone. Yeah, she just got her best friend back and is clingy, obviously. She's very jealous of any other girl Max pays attention to. She has a very anxious attachment style because everyone she's ever loved has abandoned her, either by dying, moving away, going missing, or just ignoring her. Obviously, it's very hard for her to feel safe in a relation in a friendship if the attention is not solely on her, because if it wasn't, they all just left. Chloe has been left all alone. And something interesting that I found in my research was Chloe might have borderline personality disorder. It's something a lot of fans noticed and some even hail her as a positive portrayal of the disorder. I do think a lot of her behaviors align with that diagnosis, but everyone is an individual and I am not qualified to diagnose her, so I'm not certain. In any case, she has the engages in risky behaviors bit down pat because she stole one of David's guns from the gun safe and takes Max to the junkyard to shoot some bottles with it. Cause that's fun. She even ac- ends up accidentally shooting herself with it from a ricocheted bullet. Luckily Max can rewind time. So yet another moment where Max literally saves her life. That is why you shoot BB guns at bottles, not real actual bullets. Oy, oy, oy. But guess who shows up suddenly? Frank, Arcadia Bay's drug dealer and dog lover, who Chloe owes money to. Chloe and Frank argue for a minute. And then Chloe notices Rachel's bracelet on Frank's wrist. This sends her into a spiral 
and she demands he tell her where he got Rachel's bracelet. Frank pulls a knife and Max slowly aims the gun at him. This altercation can go a few ways, all of which have consequences, of course. You can either try to shoot Frank or not shoot him. If you try to shoot him, the gun will click clearly out of ammo and Frank will become enraged. He will promise them that he won't forget Max tried to shoot him. But Chloe congratulates Max on being a badass. If Max doesn't try to shoot Frank, he will take the gun out of her hands and Chloe will be unimpressed that Max, quote, lost their only form of protection. Yes, yes, their only form of protection, even though her step douche is literally like head of security at their crazy school that is the center of the time-space continuum, apparently. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Anyway, the two of them then proceed to go hang out on the train tracks, because why not? And of course, Chloe gets her legs stuck in the tracks, and a train is fast approaching. It's almost like the universe is trying to course correct, you know, because Chloe's supposed to be dead. And also, Chloe is a particularly risky person. You can choose to rescue Chloe here by using some wire cutters and redirecting the train by cutting the power to one set of tracks. Or you can just go hammer time and destroy the tracks by pushing a big heavy thing onto them. Screw the train, right? Save Chloe! <laughs> the episode takes on a darker tone with this next segment. Ugh, here is a trigger warning for self-harm, because this episode ends with Max having an opportunity to save Kate from jumping off the roof of the girls' dormitory by using her rewind power. Although this outcome is heavily dependent on how you've treated Kate and some other choices involving Kate earlier in the game, like if you answered her phone call or not. Kate either survives or doesn't, but either way, she's not in the game after this. Let's hope you saved her, and she's recovering in the hospital for the rest of the game. Kate, Kate's whole character, for your context, Jen, and the listener if they haven't played this, she is extremely bullied by the group of mean girls at the school and David also has been harassing her thinking she had something to do with something he's like conspiracy theory person and she's just this really quiet very religious girl who's trying to live her life and she got pushed to this point it's like a really horrible thing and Max could be one of the only people who stands up for her which is how you can talk her off the ledge literally so this game has a lot of really dark themes about, like, adolescence and coming of age. Yeah. It also seems a little... You said course correction, and I'm like, oh, Final Destination, the video game. No, for real, though. <laughs> no. Chloe is just, like, a walking disaster. All right. And that wraps up episode two. And we start out episode three. Chaos Theory. Uh, which opens up with Max and Chloe sneaking into Blackwell Academy's admin offices late at night. The goal is to find some evidence of Kate's harassment and Rachel's disappearance, with Chloe's intent on Nathan Prescott being to blame. 
Another choice pops up where Chloe will ask to steal money from the disabled students fund in order to pay Frank back. Max can allow Chloe to take the money or not. This will prove very ironic in an upcoming segment of the game. After they leave the principal's office, the two make their way to the school's indoor swimming pool to have a little late night swim session. Your power is changing everything, Max. Especially you. I can already tell. You're not so chicken shit anymore. Thanks, girlfriend. You know what I mean. You're becoming like this force of nature. More like luck of nature. Come on, my power failed trying to rescue Kate. Maybe I'm just stumbling back and forth in time. For what reason? You didn't stumble when you saved me, Max. Thank God. But what if I had? What if Kate didn't jump, but you would be dead? So it's time to start moving forward in time. And... We're obviously connected, since without me, you would have never discovered your power, right? Absolutely. You make me feel like I know what I'm doing. And you make me feel like I have a reason for still being in Arcadia Bay. I hope so. Stop being so goddamn humble. You're like the smartest, most talented person I've ever known. More than Rachel Amber? Dude, I'm not her groupie, okay? And I'm sure you have Blackwell bros all over you. Like Warren. You're the bro killer. <laughs> Tats and dude. You did not just say that. Plus, I am not down with these Arcadia Bay hillbillies. I don't blame you. Anyway, we have bigger fish to fry, right? No worries. Once you get over yourself, you're going to make the world bow. As long as you're there with me. Don't look so sad. I'm never leaving you. Okay, so this scene, it's kind of disheartening for me and for others that I found online who said something about it, that the scene full of great characterization and growth occurs when the two of them are semi-naked, swimming in just their bras and underwear. While the two of them are technically of age, Max is or 18 and Chloe is 19, both are very scrawny and young-looking, and this scene visually is just clearly meant to be fan service. Chloe is, at the very least, bisexual, but possibly homoromantic slash lesbian and gender fluid, according to her voice actress, the esteemed Ashley Birch. And Max, as well, could be played lesbian or bi, depending on if you've been pursuing Warren as well as Chloe. So this scene can kind of be read as exploitative for that, but it also feels realistic to the characters to just be impulsive and have some fun. I mean... It's up to you, I guess, how you view it. I I would have preferred maybe this conversation to happen when they were wearing more clothes, but it's what we got. Blackwell Academy's security comes in, and the two have to sneak out, and they end up back at Chloe's house for a sleepover. It's cute. I love that they have a sleepover, because these girls are technically adults, but they're holding on to their childhoods with each other which I think is an important touchstone for them during this wild, dark, and unprecedented time in Arcadia Bay. Yeah, I I did not think that they were of age when I watched this scene. And I was just like, yay, another couple of 12-year-olds are swimming in a pool. 
Yeah, like I thought that this was a much younger romance than what it actually was. They don't visually look like even like their faces look way too young. And that's a was part of my problem with it. Especially Max. She's really young looking. Yeah. All right. And on that note, let's take a quick mid-break where we can listen to some sponsors of the show, talk about some fun facts, and thank our patrons. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Mid-break dance. Woo! Fun fact, Chloe is voiced by Ashley Birch, who is also Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. And I know that we have said Ashley Birch, Ashley Birch, Ashley Birch like a million times on this show because she's in so many games that we play. In the development diary, A New Beginning, Don't Nod Entertainment's developers state that every publisher except Square Enix asks them to make their protagonists male instead of female. So did they end up going with Square Enix? Sorry, I have so many tabs open. Yeah, they did. Okay. Square Enix um, published it. And that, um, that's now very interesting. The most recent yeah. Life of Strange game is made by Deck Nine Games, but this was the first. The first two, I think, made was was made by Don't Nod or just Life is Strange and Before the Storm. Maybe I'm not sure, but they've it's been taken over by a different um, studio now. Okay, now that that brings up a very interesting viewpoint because. If if they had gone with a different publisher and they were just like, okay, let's just swap the genders out and make both of these characters boys, do you think that we would have had the same love story? Do you think that that well, would have played thing, off easier? Is the developers for this game actually said it's intentionally ambiguous whether or not Chloe and Max even have a relationship because all they really have are two kisses. They're not dating. No. This is a stretch to be analyzing them, you know, but there is clearly, I mean, not for us, like romantically, yeah, but we talk about relationships and they have a really good one and friendship wise in some ways, at least what we can see. But yeah, apparently they're, they neither confirm nor deny that they actually can be a romance. Mm. The don't nod peeps. Okay. It's, it's just, a good one. I had I had is. something in my head. I totally forgot what I was going to say. So it doesn't yeah, matter. <laughs> I I know where my brain is right now, and it's actually in when you and I were interviewed by Meiji Moves um, on the Storm Sorcerer um, podcast, and he asked us, "Do you think your show would be as successful if it was two men analyzing video game romances. And I was like, 
I think it would really take the right guys. Like it couldn't be some Chad bro from the gym. And no, you would need two very emotionally intelligent, uh, two very emotionally intelligent men who are very open with each other because you and I talk about all of our own personal shit. And, uh, you know, so I, it would be, I think it would feel like a very different game if this was two young boys growing up being best friends turning into possible lovers let's have a reboot but male i want to see it change well, absolutely nothing too, you play as a you play as a boy but i think you're with your little brother and i i haven't played it yet i have it i have to play it still but i know you play as a boy or a young man i'm not sure how old he is no, I want to. I want to see absolutely nothing change, but just swap genders in the first game, mm. and see if it's mm. still if if it's still if people still like it. Yeah, they could still keep Max Max too. Yeah, Chloe could become Caleb. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Enough on that mid-break tangent. <laughs> Thank you to all 128 people who have who have rated us on Spotify. Big love, major hearts to you guys. And I don't have any new reviews to read out this week because the most recent one from Stan is still the most recent one. Thank you, Stan, for the review last week. And of course, every week we shout out and thank the patrons, Toasty and Apollo. Becky and Bat Knight, Cloudy and Wynn, Miss Theos and the Cups, Lizzie and Muffiny Cake, Big Love, Major Hearts, all the fantastical feelings in the universe upon you. All of them. Yes, thank you for your unending support. And now... It is time. Are you ready, Jen, to wake up in Chloe's room after a night of teenage dirtbaggery? Come with me Friday, don't say maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my god, it is Friday. We are. <laughs> it is. I'm just a teenage dirtbag baby that you... Ooh. Ooh. Oh yeah, dirtbag. Okay. Now it's time to go. <laughs> I can't sing at all with my voice right now, or just in general, but especially not now. But still, you put down the reference, I picked it up, and then we both ran with it. Mm -hmm. And that's what counts. Yeah, it's a good song. I'll add it to the karaoke list. But tomorrow, not tomorrow, the following morning in the game... Max can snoop around Chloe's room in her usual quiet way, like including looking at her phone, which is kind of crossing a personal boundary, but I guess it's fine because we're playing a video game. If you've been supportive of Chloe, uh, as in you didn't sell her out for the joint, you didn't answer Kate's phone call, you tried to shoot Frank, and you took the disabled student's fund money, 
Well, her phone background will have changed from Rachel to a picture of Max. Max's clothes are still wet. So Chloe offers Max some of Rachel's clothes that she just happens to have in her room. Then this happens. Put this on and let your inner punk rock girl come out. You can afford to take chances whenever and whatever you want to try. For example, I dare you to kiss me. What? I double dare you. Kiss me now. Damn, you're hardcore, Max. Now I can text Warren and tell him he doesn't stand a chance. Unless he's into girl-on-girl action. You're such a dork. Ew, gag, barf. No, hate that. Yeah, okay. So, the cute little smooch that they share. Kiss me on a dare. I get that. That's adorable. Love that. But the, oh, let's invite the guy so he can watch the girl-on-girl action. Fuck off. No, no, no. Not. mm -mm. I knew you weren't going to like it because I don't like it either. Like, first of all, their behaviors together... I think they're kind of still stuck in their preteen friendship before their five years has left. Because how much does that remind you of like a preteen's first kiss type of situation or like just being silly with your friend? You're like, I double dog dare you. Oh, oh, wow. And then like you don't know how to act if someone actually does it. And you're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And like you make a joke out of and it. And you show me your and boobs. that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, no. So it, yeah, exactly. Or like spin the bottle or any of those like innocent level kid games. Well, not kid games, but exactly it feels this relationship and the way that they interact feels a lot younger than what ages they are supposed to be portraying Mm -hmm. i can't tell if it's because the last time they hung out was when they were 13 and 14 or if because i think i think it's because i mean max seems to have had a fine and dandy life in those five years but chloe has lived through some shit and i think she's just like grasping at a life raft with max you know like oh let me go back to the good old days and so they kind of just bringing it out of each other in a way i don't know i get that to a point but i don't feel like the real switch ever hits you know like there's definitely times to be lighthearted and carefree and run around doing stupid shit but then there's a point where you know everything kind of catches up to you reality hits or you still have that thing in the back of your mind going no you're a grown-ass adult and you do have things going on i don't know no i i know i i do think that this scene feels believable between the two best friends that are you know starting to realize that there might be something more there It's definitely a typical Chloe response to deflect away any chance of self-reflection or absorbing the moment and instead redirects to making Warren jealous or just redirects to anything other than what's actually going on. Max kind of acts like it wasn't serious or real, but she really is just being her usual indecisive and anxious self. It's revealed in her diary that while she enjoyed the kiss, she still thinks Chloe will end up with Rachel anyway. While Chloe is jealous of anyone Max pays attention to besides her, Max is jealous of Rachel. Then, Max has a chance to really disrupt the Price household. When they all go downstairs for some brekkie, 
Joyce gives Max a cute picture of her and Chloe as preteens making pancakes in that same kitchen. That was actually the same day that Chloe's dad died five years ago. That picture. David is there. And of course, he promptly starts an argument with Chloe because he can't help himself. Max can either side with her or with David. But why would you side with David? We don't side with David on this podcast. So Max exposes his creepy ass files on various students at Blackwell, his harassment and abuse of Kate, and his hidden cameras in the house. So Joyce kicks him out. Good for you, girl. About time. Yay! Yay! Claps for kicking him out of the house. I will say there is one one timeline where he has a redeeming quality, but otherwise he's he's Garbo. Ew. Okay, I don't even care. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. It hasn't happened yet, so you have no context for that. Okay, yet. fine. We'll keep moving on then. The pair then head to Frank's RV to snoop around in the hunt for a lead on Rachel and discover that Rachel and Frank were actually lovers, which really hurts Chloe. I mean, Rachel basically lied to her and manipulated her. It even seems like she planned to leave Arcadia Bay and move to L.A. with Frank, not Chloe. Moving to L.A. with drug dealer Frank is probably not the best idea. Chloe freaks out and says everyone betrays her, including Max, and drops her off at Blackwell, pissed off. And she drives off before Max can barely even shut the car door. Max glances at the photo Joyce handed her earlier of her younger self and younger Chloe making those pancakes, and she discovers a new aspect of her time rewind power. She can now place herself in time based on a photograph, and she finds herself back in her 13-year-old body. Max realizes that this was the day that Chloe's dad died in the car accident. And she decides to intervene. She hides his car keys so he can't go. He can't try to go pick his wife up from work. And it works. He lives. But Chloe is not the same Chloe. And this is where it gets even crazier. When Max returns to the present day. First of all, let's just skip over the fact that she was like 18-year-old Max and 13-year-old Max's body for a minute. But when she comes back to the present day, she finds herself at Blackwell, strangely best friends with all the mean girls from the other timeline, like the people that have been making her life awful the whole time at school. She rushes to Chloe's house and is overjoyed to see her dad answer the door. It's clear from their conversation that even in this timeline, Max and Chloe have drifted apart in the last five years. But when Chloe's dad calls for Chloe and she comes to the door, she is in a wheelchair. She has a blue tracheotomy in her neck, a breathing tube. It's interesting that it's blue because blue is the color that represents Chloe. Her hair is blue, her eyes are blue, the butterfly Max takes a picture of in the bathroom before Chloe is shot is blue. And butterflies are also associated with her the same way does are associated with Max. 
she sees does everywhere and butterflies are everywhere with Chloe. In mythology, butterflies are agents of change, but also symbolize immortality, something Chloe seems to have as long as Max is around. Most traditions see does as representations of new beginnings, tenderness tempered with strength. That fits Max very well. Max embraces her gentleness, especially in this episode of the game, where she spends the day with her friend that is not quite her friend, a version that might have existed if her dad had never died. Because her dad lived, he gave her a car for her 16th birthday, and she got into a car accident instead. It left her paralyzed from the neck down, and her body is now failing her as a 19-year-old. She is terminally ill because the machines used to keep her body alive to keep her breathing are not working anymore. Her medical costs have also devastated the family's financial situation. After a day of hanging out with her best friend and a night of watching Blade Runner, Max wakes up, having fallen asleep, leaning onto Chloe's bed. Chloe appears to not have slept at all. Trigger warning again for self-harm here. Chloe asks Max to crank up the morphine drip so that way she can just gently stop existing. Her life is agony, and the toll she thinks she takes on her family is too much for her conscience to bear now. Max can reluctantly agree or disagree, but either way, this is a very hard scene to watch and play. It shows Max the devastating effects of messing with time and how the outcome can't be controlled or even foreseen. Chloe, you're alive. Yes. Whoa, whoa, down, Max. You get one kiss and now you're all over me? I'm just... I'm just... I'm so glad you're here. You sound high, but thanks for the morning grope. Since we were up all night playing CSI Arcadia Bay, I was still spaced out here trying to put all this info together. Max, did you forget we've gone over this? I hope you weren't messing around with time while I was sleeping. Not anymore. I'm just spaced out, too. Welcome back to the real world, Max. Just really quick, I always think it's funny how she looks like she's supposed to listen to all this punk music, but she never does in the game. She's always listening to this gentle indie music, which I think is like a way to show that inside she's not quite as tough as she likes to appear. Um, oh yeah i mean in high school i wore all black with you know <laughs> so spikes I. and like everything but i was still listening to britney like so did i i i'm wearing black right now i am a baby it is all i'm a chihuahua with a loud bark that is me you know we have psyduck yay psyduck i am extremely not tough um i think it's like a theme though the people who look like they're gonna be the most edgy and hard or actually just the sweetest but luckily no no i'll bust your fucking face <laughs> <laughs> <Kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay. Back to the episode. Jen made me promise before this episode not to tangent so much because we're both really sleepy. So trying not to, but it's hard. Um, <laughs> okay. So hard. <laughs> okay. Pretend Sorry. the clip just... <laughs> pretend the clip just ended. <laughs> okay. Luckily... Max still had that photo of their younger selves making pancakes. So she's able to return to that moment in time and undo what she tried to undo in the first place. She decides to do nothing, to not intervene, and to let Chloe's dad die again. Or to let the natural order of things return. Except, is it? Which one is the real world. This Chloe is the Chloe that should have died back in the bathroom at the very beginning. The Chloe whose very existence is enough to destroy the town with a violent super tornado. Me personally, I'm kind of in the Rick Sanchez camp of just putting all that time travel shit up on a shelf in the garage and just not messing with it. But if you did manage to save Kate, this is where we get to go next. You get to go visit her in the hospital. If if not, Chloe and Max head straight for Blackwell, where they run into Mr. Jefferson. Um, Max is apparently hot old hipster photography teacher. And he invites them to the end of the world party. We haven't really mentioned it in this episode because, you know, there's just a lot to talk about with this game. But there continues to be crazy climate shit going on. The very first clip we played mentioned snow and 80 degrees. Now we've seen like dead whales popping up on the beach. There was an eclipse. There's even two moons at one point in the sky. Like it's crazy. But uh, for me, this is where I first got major bad vibes from Mr. Jefferson though. Although I always found him like too cool for school. Like he tried too hard. I'm just calling it here. He's, he's a bad egg. Now the girls break into Nathan's room to find evidence. And Nathan catches them. And there's another altercation where Warren intervenes. He is a lost attack puppy, apparently. They then head to the beach to get the codes from Frank's account book. See, he is a very organized drug dealer who assigns all his regulars a unique code and the girls will use the codes to track down who bought what to drug rachel to drug chloe and any other evidence that might figure out from the codes anyways this next conversation with frank is rather complicated and based on the previous interactions with him but essentially chloe can either shoot and kill both frank and his dog, merely wounding him, or no one can get hurt, and Frank instead becomes an ally in search for Rachel. This is obviously the best outcome out of those three, but regardless of the outcome, the two head to an old barn owned by the Prescotts that is indicated in Frank's book. They find an underground bunker that is clearly a torture chamber and there are meticulously kept files on the victims chloe finds a file on rachel yeah 
it's uh it's not good unfortunately in this game there's no happy ending for rachel she's been missing for six months because she's been dead for six months Chloe recognizes the location in one of the photos in the file on Rachel and the two race to the junkyard, digging desperately with their hands in the dirt until they find Rachel's body. It's a very dark moment for Chloe. She loved Rachel and for Max because she's so upset for her friend. They start to go to the end of the world party to find and confront Nathan, who they believe is Rachel's killer. I mean, the evidence does seem to point that way. However, they get a text supposedly from Nathan saying he got rid of all the evidence of Rachel's murder. So they go back to the junkyard. But it was a trap. Someone sticks Max with a syringe, clearly filled with a sedative, And as she is passing out, she sees Chloe get shot and killed. And the shooter is Mr. Jefferson. Never saw that coming. And Max is unable to use her rewind. Rewind, wow. At this time, because of being sedated. And episode four ends. And I feel like we're speeding through this. But man, you just got to play this game if you haven't played this game. There's just a lot going on. When she awakens, she is back in that underground bunker, tied to a chair. This is the start of episode five, Polarized. And Mr. Jefferson is monologuing like all villains do. Max uses the selfie she took all the way back on that first playable school day in the game and creates an alternate timeline where she warns David, Chloe's super paranoid step douche, about Mr. Jefferson being a serial killer. This Max saves Chloe yet again from being shot in the junkyard and enters the photo contest that Mr. Jefferson has been preaching about the whole game. She wins it, ending up in San Francisco at an art gallery. But while on the phone with Chloe... She hears her die in the super tornado. Because the universe wants Chloe to die. So Max ends up back in the dark room, the underground bunker. But this time, David can save her. Chloe is still dead, though. And this time, having been shot in the, in this timeline, having been shot in the junkyard. I know. I know. It's complicated. It's like a lot. It's just this. This is what happens with timeline. Time skipping and rewinding. It always gets. It always gets very, very confusing. But not to worry. Thanks to Max's unending selfie obsession. She has yet another photograph she can use to return to a time right before Chloe's untimely demise in the junkyard. So once she is set free from the dark room by David, who has come to rescue her, but Chloe is still dead in this timeline, she goes to the two whale diner to meet up with Warren, who still holds a candle for her in all the timelines, even though he doesn't stand a chance unless you encouraged it, in which case, I guess he does stand a chance. 
and takes the selfie they took together at the end of the world party right before heading to the junkyard. So Max goes back in time to right before at the party and Chloe is still alive again. Still alive again? (laughs) I'm hurting my own brain. Our new drinking game is to drink a shot every time Chloe is alive when she's supposed to be dead, which is like just constantly drinking through this entire game. This Max. I'm already tired. If I start taking shots, I'm legit going to pass out. Yeah, just pass out. Yeah, me too. Um, I might just straight up lose my entire voice rather than just have the dregs of what it is right now. Um, Or maybe it'll help my voice. I don't really know. I don't have any alcohol right now, though. I need to go shopping. Anyway, this Max, the one that just came through the photograph and is back with Chloe, is much more aware now of the dangers of Mr. Jefferson and her own limitations. So she goes to David instead of springing the trap at the junkyard this time. And Mr. Jefferson is arrested. Yay. There is justice. The two head to Chloe's house to await the storm because that's still happening. Except all this timeline jumping has Max totally messed up. Along with me. She awakens at the beach and Chloe says, ah, the real Max is back. That just leads me to believe that Chloe can tell when Max is time traveling and not the real Max is just some uncanny valley body on autopilot. Creepy. The storm is about to hit now. And from her vision, Max knows that they will be safe from the storm at the lighthouse. And on the way there, Max falls into some kind of time jumper nightmare. It's basically all of her insecurities and fears coming at her. And she has to witness things like Chloe berating her for never reaching out after she moved or watching Chloe hook up with random people to play upon Max's insecurities about being with her. All of it is distorted versions of things that have happened or extreme interpretations of these things. None of it is reality, just highlighting how much of our perception of both reality and ourselves can influence the way that we experience things. And it makes your brain hurt. Yeah, it's like this whole, this whole like level where you're hiding and running through these traps. It's like the abyss around you and just like scary, exaggerated features of the school and like characters that you're scared of, like David and Nathan hunting you and Chloe not being exactly the Chloe that you know, but worse and making Max feel bad and. It's just this whole thing. It's a nightmare. But she's like legit passed out and Chloe has carried her to the lighthouse while she's been passed out. And now we are at the end of the final episode of this game. The girls stand at the edge of the cliff by the lighthouse watching helplessly as this impossibly sized almost mystical tornado spins closer and closer to their little town by the bay. Chloe has realized something that Max is staunchly avoiding thinking about. And she's realized that the choice Max is left with is save the town 
or save Chloe. Chloe wants Max to choose the town, saying tearfully that, quote, her mom doesn't deserve to die in some fucking diner, not after everything she's been through. And yeah, kind of. No one deserves to die in this storm, except for maybe Mr. Jefferson. Yeah, probably. Uh, I will also say that there is a huge storm going on in this audio clip. So the background of windfall and rain and just tornado noise in general makes it difficult to hear. But here we go. There's so many more people in Arcadia Bay who should live. Way more than me. Say that. I won't trade you. You're not trading me. Maybe you've just been delaying my real destiny. Look at how many times I've almost died or actually died around you. Look at what's happened in Arcadia Bay ever since you first saved me. I know I've been selfish, but for once, I think I should accept my fate. Our fate, Chloe. Max, you finally came back to me this week, and you did nothing but show me your love and friendship. You made me smile and laugh like I haven't done in years. Wherever I end up after this, in whatever reality, all those moments between us were real, and they'll always be ours. No matter what you choose, I know you'll make the right decision. Chloe... I can't make this joy. No, Max. You're the only one who can. And right after that line is said, you are presented with the choice. Save Chloe or save the town. Me personally, I always save Chloe. (laughs) Although you do find out in Life is Strange 2 that her mom does indeed die in that diner if you don't save the town. But Max and Chloe are still together, and they even have a pretty good relationship with David after that. If you do choose to save the town, you'll end up traveling back in time through that photo of the blue butterfly and sit helplessly as you hear Chloe get shot in that bathroom. If you chose the town to be destroyed and Chloe is saved, Max and Chloe drive out of the town after the storm passes, finally leaving for good. It's brutal either way. Like, if Chloe dies, you have to sit through her funeral, and a butterfly lands on her casket, and it's just very emotional. But it's also emotional to see the two of them drive through the ruins of their town with, like, literal huge whale bodies, like, on some buildings, because, like, the tornadoes brought a bunch of sea creatures to land. Also, it's, it's, it's horrible either way. Yeah. I don't know if I could sacrifice the many for the one. I think that I would have to play through the whole game and really get there to that point to see how I would make the decision. But Final Destination is a movie series for a reason. Once you fuck with the divine plan and you take somebody out of it that shouldn't that shouldn't be alive and yet they're here 
wibbly wobbly time stuff's gonna happen like that's the butterfly effect that's the everything and so i don't know that's something i thought oh sorry oh no go for it i was just gonna say like something i never understood about this game which i mean i guess someone can make arguments for different ways of interpreting it but i never understood why the entire town was equal to chloe dying like if the universe is trying to anyway i never understood why like if the universe is trying to balance itself out why is the entire town being destroyed equal to one girl being killed you know well how many times did chloe not die well technically only once to start the storm because the storm was coming we'll see i don't really know because max at the very beginning of the game has the vision like the game opens to her having the vision of the storm coming and that was before Mm -hmm. she discovered she could rewind time it was right before like the class she's in the photography class and she ends the class and goes into the bathroom and that's when chloe gets shot and that's when she discovers she can rewind time so I guess you could argue that the storm was going to come either way because she could rewind time after she had that vision, but before Chloe died, allegedly. I think if the storm was coming before any of this started, maybe it would have just been a storm. You know, tornadoes do happen in Oregon. Massive wind and rainstorms freaking happen. And so maybe it would have still been a super tornado, but not anything that would have taken out the entire town. And it wouldn't have been as bad. I think you're probably right about that. Like maybe it would have just been a tornado because she does say Oregon gets five tornadoes every 20 years, apparently. I mean, you can confirm or deny if that's true. Like in the last 20 years. I know of... I know of two that have been in my county in the last Were they? 10, 15 years. Yeah. So, I mean, that could have happened. But I think the proof of it being worse for her every choice she makes is, like, the more she uses it, not only is the more times Chloe is tr- is almost dying or getting into situations where she almost dies or does die and, and she actually does have to rewind... But also, like, the environment is crazier. Like I said, there is Mm -hmm. the two moons. Like, when they're going into the party, there's literally two moons in the sky. There's, like, a crazy eclipse. There's dead whales everywhere. Which, no one explains that. I don't know how that's, like, a weather phenomenon. Why do the poor whales have to die? Other than, oh, is it because the name of the diner that the mom works at? Sorry. Yeah, there's no two whales in the bay anymore. Because they're all dead. But, I don't really know. Like... Apollo has mentioned to me in Discord chats and now in our comments that like they expand a lot of things, both the romance and Max's powers in the comics. But like we're just mm. looking at the games. I've never read the comments, so I can't comment on it. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, I still, as far as their relationship goes, do you think that they are an item or just really good friends? I don't know. I definitely think that there's more to it than what we can really see. And I think that if you do choose to save Chloe, they will be together. Um, I can clearly see that. Um, I do think that uh, 
the fact that they have the core relationship to begin with, you know, I am a huge fan of building up a core friendship first and then branching out into lovers after it, you know, even if it's like, yeah, we snuck a kiss in middle school and then never really talked about it again until like after high school and then kind of seeing your person in a different light and being like, oh, wow. Yeah. Hi. Why have I never seen you before? Like, I, I love that. And so I think that they are starting that in this video game. Um, and maybe it, reading the comments, it will end up being like that. Uh, but I definitely think that there is a great foundation to a romance here. And if not, there's a foundation to a really trauma bonded friendship. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think one of my main reasons why I like the two of them together, even though I like Chloe more than Max, I don't know if it's like my affinity for Ashley Birch or if it's just like Max so much of the time I, she annoys me because of how timid and like wallflowery she is. Because that's just not that's not me, even though I'm introverted. I'm not like that. You know, I'm like, come on, girl, get a backbone. We do see her get a backbone throughout this game. Actually, she ends up being a lot more firm. Something that I really admire about the two of them, and I think is a really important thing for young players. I don't know how young you would be playing this game because it is kind of dark, <laughs> to say the least. But I think it's still a really important thing to show is the two of them either do or have opportunities to choose to stand up for people really well. Like they're, they speak up about unfairness that they see around them all the time. And I think that's a really good lesson for anybody to like speak up when you see something, don't be a bystander. You know, they, it, 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 it lab, it shows how it actually does have an effect. Like with Kate, you could save her life if you've spoken up for her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. I think it's time to wrap it up for the night before your voice completely dies. <laughs> yeah. It's just cough, man. I think I have a sinus infection. I don't know. Oh, don't get that. That's not fun. It's not Go fun. get antibiotics. <laughs> All right. Now, we will break away from the teenage romance next week with our Patreon chat, where the leading topic right now is what game doesn't have romance but should? So I'm excited for that one next week. So come join us if you can. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes or on that new Spotify feature and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-hosty Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls, one ship. Links to those are in the description. I am on the Robots Radio Discord as well and on our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server 
where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be, be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember that beauty is in the eye of the controller. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry, and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And always remember... Swooping is 